Tuesday is upon us, and it's playoff Tuesday, and you're spilling up your 76ers one game one of their opening round playoff matchup against the Washington Wizards. They did so behind great performances from multiple guys, and I'm just not going to spoil the whole sentiment of this podcast. I'm just going to get right into it. I got Stevie J. Lippman on the line. He wrote a column last week about five important matchups for this series. We're going to talk about that in relation to game one, see how he's feeling about those said matchups and, uh, you know, how he's feeling in general. And uh, I don't know, maybe there might be some handsome O-meter grades real quick that I might spring on. Let's see what happens. Stevie J, what's up? How are you, brother? Thank you for having me on again. I mean, everything's good. You know, Sixers won game one. Uh, Ben Simmons, I mean, listen. Oh, my God. I don't know if you saw anything on the tweets as far as, like, Ben Simmons' performance, but uh, one local radio station that I will never uh, say their call sign on this podcast or any other podcast I've ever done is, like, did Ben Simmons have a good game on uh, in game one? I'm like, really? What game were you guys watching? No. What game were right. you guys watching? I understand how strange of a player Ben is. And, like, I, if you ask me, I have my own fair criticisms of him. But do we have to, like, do the Ben argument every single game? Like, no, we don't. First ra- it's the oh, first round God. against the Wizards, a team that they should, like – finish off very quickly and if they don't it's just because they're sleepwalking like you know we we might have a come to jesus moment with ben in the eastern conference finals and we'll see i hope we don't i hope he's great and we don't have to worry about it but certainly nothing that happens uh at this point is going to make me you know overly concerned and it's like 14 rebounds i mean 15 rebounds 15 assists obviously would love him to hit his free throws but the team won the game he was a big part of it let's move on like, we don't need to have a meltdown every Ben game. No, you know? we do not. 15 assists and 40, and, like, the, the, the Sixers scored, like, 50%, almost 50% of Ben's assists led to buckets. And then he had 15 rebounds, eight of which were offensive. Like, let, let's, just right. all, let's just all just stop, okay? Yeah, I mean, they were, like, these were not stat-padding stats, like, when you watch the game, you could tell that he was passing the ball great and finding his teammates. And he had a bunch of key rebounds that were not like sort of those Westbrook rebounds that, you know, the teammates box out for him so he can get another stat. Like, I think it was a, it was a totally solid game from Ben, and uh, we don't need to overanalyze it, you know? The, the 360 uh, putback, just let me just have that on repeat for the rest of my life. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so you posted a piece last week, five key matchups, and we're just going to go through some of them in relation to game one. Let's start with Embiid versus Gafford, which I'm going to rename uh, Embiid versus the quote-unquote center by committee, as Mark described yesterday. Uh, How do you think Embiid did offensively? You know, it was a strange game for Joel because he had those three early and sort of like not not like legitimate fouls, at least two of them. Um, not at all. So, yeah, Scott, was, Scott, Foster, only... Scott Foster, I'm going to need to have a word with you, sir. Like, seriously. Yeah. This, this, speak, I think he was... Speaking of come to Jesus moments, uh, Scott Foster <laughs> and I are going to have to have a come to Jesus moment. 
I think he was only able to play like 10 first half minutes. And uh, it was hard to really tell much of him because then when he did play in the second quarter, he had to be super careful. You know, he didn't want to get that fourth foul. Uh, but what I thought, you know, first of all, of course, none of, none of the Wizards centers could guard him. I think all of them had multiple fouls by the end of the game. And, you know, I think Gafford had three and Len had three himself. And, you know, the big thing was at the end of the game, Joel really had a great stretch of offense where he hit a bunch of shots got to the free throw line. Yeah, I think he made 12 of 13. Um, Washington has no answer for him other than to double. And when they did that, Joel did a good job finding his teammates. So uh, very encouraging game from him. And, you know, he only played 30 minutes. He had 30 points. I, I think they have no answer for him. And it was nice that, you know, towards the end of the game when Tobias had slowed down a little bit offensively, Joel was able to really take him home. So, uh, yeah, definitely Joel performed very well and uh, just in fewer minutes than you'd expect. Right, and B finishing with 36-3, and three, and that was just by himself. And like you said, he was kind of the closer in uh, the second half of the fourth quarter. Uh, let's flip over to Washington. Uh, Alex Lynn cooking early? That, that felt a little weird, didn't it? That was a little strange. You know, I think uh, <laughs> it might have been one of those one of those scenarios where like a mother lifts a car off her child, like an out of body experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I congratulate him. I hope he had fun. Um, I, I don't think it's anything the Sixers need to worry about. Honestly, Gafford seems like, honestly, I think that Len is like their least effective center, their least effective center. I think it would go like Gafford Lopez and then Len. So I don't really know why he plays with the starters, but uh, yeah, congratulations to him for those few buckets in the beginning. I was surprised that by that as well, because I kind of thought they would still, like, I know they're doing the center by committee thing, but I thought they would start off with the the more defensive big man in Gafford, didn't you? I kind of thought that right. was coming. Yeah, and the other thing, Gafford can get vertical, you know. At times, Joel, as much as he has trouble with anybody, Joel can have trouble with, like, Clint Capella types that are lob threats, um, you know. But when Joel's locked in, there's nobody he has trouble with, but... That feels like a better bet to me. Uh, again, I, I think that Washington probably looks at it that Gafford wouldn't last very long playing Joel a lot because Joel would foul him out uh, right away. So there, there isn't a real good answer for them. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a tough series for Washington. The combination of Len Gafford and Lopez, uh, 50 minutes, 28 points, 11 rebounds, shooting 81% from the field and overall minus seven. And that's only because Gafford was a plus 14. Uh, right. So, yeah. Right. I, I, I don't think <laughs> long term, this matchup is not good for Washington. It's not really good for anybody in the Eastern Conference or the NBA for that matter. But like, this is not good for Washington. Yeah. I mean, Washington is overall a smaller team. I mean, yesterday they started three guards uh, with Neto, Westbrook and Beal. And the Sixers are, of course, a bigger team. And I think you saw that with how Tobias Harris played, where Tobias can really punish somebody who's uh, littler than him. And Tobias was just hunting mismatches and getting guys in the post, and he's great in that mid-range. And uh, the same goes for Joel, because they're not a team with a lot of size. Let's move to the outside. Thibel versus Brad Beal and Ben Simmons versus Brad Beal. Again, I'm just going to kind of condense this into one subject. Uh, it was kind mm-hmm. of it was kind of a tale of two halves, right? Because Beal was kind of a, a little slow. It was like four of eleven from the first half, and like that made you kind of feel good. Yeah, um, 
it's interesting. Uh, Beal is such a hard guy to guard, it looks like, because he has this ability to score with the ball in his hands and run off pick and rolls, but also run off a lot of screens off the ball. So he's somebody you really have to chase, and it really takes the whole team to defend Beal. So I thought, you know, Simmons and Thibel did as well as probably anybody in the league would. Um, I think that most of Beal's, you know, buckets when he really got hot, especially in that third quarter when I think he had 17, yeah. uh, th- that was when he got switches onto him and somebody like Green or Curry or, or one of the other Sixers was on him. But the Sixers, and down the stretch, I forget who highlighted this. I think Jack and Frank highlighted this. Uh, down the stretch, the Sixers' pick and roll defense with Simmons and Embiid uh, on Beal especially was really good. Uh, you know, Beal uh, committed six turnovers, uh, so, you know, a guy like that is going to get points. You're going to look up at the end of the game and he's going to have a number at the box score. But it's really about making him work and making them difficult and not handing him a bunch of trips to the free throw line where he can earn them for free. Jackson Frank pointed this out on Twitter as well as uh, our our boy Kevin Rice did the uh, defensive yeah. video breakdown that, that I love, that we all love so much. Uh, you said that Beal had the 17 in the third quarter. At, at what at some point during that third quarter when Beal was starting to go off and did it feel a little bit tight? Did you think that like maybe it was time to clamp down even harder on Beal, maybe like double team him or just like trap him when he gets the ball or anything like that? Or were you just fine with like, look, you know what? Simmons and Thibault, they're doing fine. Just whatever. Like Beal's just having a hot moment. Let's just, let's just ride it out. Yeah. For me, it's like, you know, guys like that will get points eventually. They just, that's how that, you know, they're so good. And it's, you know, offense is more aided by the refs in the game than uh, defense. I never got panicked at all because it was so obvious when Simmons and Embiid were on the court against Washington that the Sixers were so much better than them. Yeah. And that, and that bears out in the numbers. I think they were, you know, combined like a, you know, plus 36 or something. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I wasn't really worried about it. Like Beal got them close and at some point they were up, but I sort of always thought as long as Joel didn't get to like his fifth foul, when it mattered most, Joel would be out there. And so would Ben. And and I think that, you know, they were just going to pull away from Washington and they did. And Seth hit some shots in the second half that were really big and um, they were able to withstand, you know, uh, you're probably going to see this in every game that Beal, you can't hold him down all game and he's going to get his, get his points. It's really just about, limiting the damage elsewhere and making sure you score in their defense, which is not very good. Simmons and Embiid in game one combined plus 38. So definitely speaks to what you just said about them being the two best guys on the floor. Um, Going into game two, like I I feel good about how they defended Brad Beal in game one. I mean, they they were okay. They didn't shut him down or anything, but I I can live with that performance because Beal was – working for every field goal he got yeah i mean in my opinion with the sixers like what what you earn when you have ben simmons and matisse Thibel on the same team is the luxury to not double perimeter scorers yes you know? uh so so that's really you know what would happen if they start doubling then you really have to rotate and you have to hope somebody like bertans isn't running off screens and all of a sudden uncovered because you're defending deal with two guys you know I, I think that you feel more than comfortable just leaving Simmons and Thibel on an island with him and honestly in the in game two as long as Joel stays out of foul trouble he can be much more assertive guarding Beal on those drives than he was able to be for much of the game one totally agree 
Simmons wasn't also tasked to guard Brad Beal. He was also one of the uh, handful of people tasked of guarding Russell Westbrook. That's another factor that you outlined in your piece last week. Simmons did. Simmons and company did really well against Westbrook. Uh, 16 points on 17 shots and 7-17 from the field. He had 14 assists, but he also had the six turnovers. So is it Ben's length that kind of bugs him a little bit? I mean, that's got to be it. I mean, to start the game, uh, Danny Green drew that matchup with, uh, with Westbrook. And uh, that, that, I think, was the right call. I think you need to, like, optimize your best defender on their best offensive player, which is Beal. Right. Um, what Russ has on Danny, of course, is athleticism and speed. But Danny's a very smart defender, and I feel like he will play well enough against Russ and play smart enough against Russ to not let him get going. And to, you know, if Russ is going to make a bunch of jump shots, first of all, I don't think anybody's expecting that to happen. And if he's going to no. shoot him, you're going to really let him. You're going to be fine with it. Um, and Russ, Danny's a great Russ, defense, you want to so... shoot 20-footers all game long? Go right ahead. Go ahead, right. my friend. Right. And Danny's a great help defender. So guarding Russ is a matchup where you can sort of stray off of him more and more. And I think that you'll see Danny in a lot of passing lanes. And uh, so, yeah, Russ is going to probably score between 15 and 20 points a game no matter what because he's – he is talented, um, but I, if you're the Sixers, I don't think you worry at all about having Danny Green or, you know, Thibel certainly on, on Westbrook. I think that he's definitely the second matchup, you know, there. I think that you really have to figure out Brad Veal and then turn your attention to Westbrook when you can or when he's in the game alone. But I think that the Sixers are well set up to handle Westbrook very well. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity – but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So assuming there's no egregious foul trouble in the early parts of game two, you wouldn't really change anything defensively against the Wizards' backcourt. I wouldn't. No, I, I really think that one of the big things that will show an increase and in the uh, effectiveness of the Sixers defense will be a, a more assertive Joel who will be enabled to do so without being in foul trouble. So, you know, Joel at his peak powers, as we saw towards the end of the game is just going to lock down the middle as well as anybody. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I, I really wouldn't worry about it. I think the Sixers are in a, in a great spot in terms of their defense and it'll, it'll only get better. Uh, in, in the games to come, as long as Joel and the other key guys are out of foul trouble. 
You did five little points last week. I would like to add some, if you'll allow, and we'll we'll get into Please. those how they uh, uh, how they pertain to game one. Uh, Tobias versus whoever is guarding him. <laughs> right. Uh, Tobias's game one performance. Uh, what's the uh, what, what's the rating on the old handsome scale there for his game one performance? Oh, he's he's really good looking. Tobias <laughs> is underratedly good looking, um, but uh, he played so great. Like I, I don't know about you, I thought he really. You know, there's a chance that in a game one where Embiid is only able to play a little bit in the first half, it could have gotten a little out of hand. But he yeah, scored 28 in the first half. I'm pretty sure Washington steals that game one if Tobias doesn't have the game he has. They could. They definitely could because the Sixers' offense sputtered and, you know, the bench unit came in and Dwight wasn't having a very good game. And uh, a lot of that was, was difficult for the team to overcome. But Tobias, I, I really feel like this week off did him a lot of good. You know, I, I think toward the end of the season, he's a guy who plays a ton and uh, he plays heavy minutes. So to get him off his, off his feet for a week and recharge for this, I, he looked excellent. I, I was really hoping he would hit 40. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait until Wednesday night for that. Going into the playoffs, I think a lot of us were thinking kind of the same thing, like which Tobias Harris would show up in game one and this playoffs in general. Because, of course, we remember he didn't have the strongest bubble performance last season. But I'm incredibly encouraged. 37 points on 29 shots in 37 minutes. I am very happy so far. No, and not only did he not have a good playoff last year against Boston in the bubble, but the year before that against Toronto and um, and uh, the first series against Brooklyn, for the most part, he didn't have a very good shooting series. So he, he needed – I'm sure that he knows that he has something to prove in terms of playoff performance, and he wants to replicate what he did in the regular season where he was really great. So uh, it's encouraging as a Sixers fan to see – the Tobias that he looked like during the regular season continue into the playoffs. And I feel super confident in, in Tobias and the way that he can get his shots and uh, carry the team for stretches. And this is what I've always thought about Tobias Harris. Like, I feel like, sure, Ben Simmons might be the second best player on the team, but Tobias is the second best scorer. So like Embiid is oh, yeah. going to get his 30 or 35 or whatever Tobias has to get his like 20 to 25 and whatever you get offensively from Simmons, that's just gravy. Without a doubt, especially in the later rounds, uh, you know, they're going to need points everywhere they can find them. So Tobias, they'll need him at, at his absolute, you know, best in those series. And, and at this point, I feel really confident that he's going to be able to do that. I think that he's just a really smart player who's learned to play in this system and, always has played well for Doc and is a really good fit around Ben and Joel. And uh, yeah, he's a great transition player on offense. Ben likes to find him for a transition three. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very confident in, in Tobias and I'm so happy to see him have such a good start to the playoffs. Sixers shooters versus past history is what I'm going to call this one. Um, <laughs> Danny Green and Seth Curry were very good yesterday hitting the threes that they needed to Danny Green always lethal always Mr. Reliable when he's in that corner that was a really good performance from those two guys and we should we should hope that that continues because you know 
Burke didn't have the strongest game. He only played five minutes and jacked up three threes. But, you know, George Hill played 18 minutes. He hit a couple of threes. He had 11 points off the bench. Thibault not really shooting yet. So, like, Green and Curry going 6 of 13 from three, that's a huge boost. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Seth didn't do much in the first half. And then in the second half, really – found his rhythm and was asserting himself. And there was obviously that great play where the Sixers stole it from Beal and uh, Curry hit a transition three that led to a Washington timeout. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in those two guys. I think that something I really like about Doc uh, this season that I've noticed from him is that if he can see that one of the rotation guys doesn't have it, he won't sort of bang his head against the wall. Like in this game, Doc put Furkan out there. Furkan missed three threes, and if Furkan's not making threes, he's not giving you much else. So right. he went right away to Tyrese Maxey. Maxey played fine. He got a bucket and and one. Um, and I just like that Doc is willing. I think he has 11 guys that he trusts, and I think that I'm happy that he is willing to uh, be versatile and improvise uh, in those situations. But huge for the Sixers wing guys to hit shots, and it was a good George Hill game. Um, yeah, very good, very good stuff from the uh, players outside of the Sixers' big three, for sure. Of the five things that, well, I guess now seven things that have been outlined in this podcast, uh, what's the one thing that kind of worries you going into game two? Because I kind of feel like going into game two, the Wizards are probably going to have, they, they're going to feel like they're going to have their backs against the wall. So I feel like this is that, like, Brad Beal, eight of 11 from three. He has like 50 points kind of thing like that. I, I feel that's coming. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I sort of think that Beal scoring points is going to happen no matter what. I think the Sixers can beat Washington pretty soundly, even though Beal will get his points. I mean, he had 60 in a game against the Sixers this year yeah. that, the, that the Wizards lost. Um, what I would sort of worry about would be the Sixers, like ancillary shooters, not not making shots, which could make things harder on Joel in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think if you're the Sixers, you really want to make this a fairly quick series if you can. So, you know, keeping this as, as brief as possible. Three-point shooting can come and go, you know, especially from guys who are toward the middle or end of your roster. So, uh, yeah, I think that if anything, I would be looking out for that. I have complete confidence in Tobias and in – Ben and Matisse playing defense and certainly in Joel in this matchup. So, uh, you know, you always want to make sure that the shots are going in. And if they're not, you have to be prepared to play another way. So uh, definitely want to just keep an eye out for Seth and Danny and George Hill and Shake and everybody make sure that the shots keep going down because that makes the Sixers a really dangerous team. Keep it brief, please, because you know you're going to be running around chasing Trey Young for six games the next round. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Last thing, we're going to have some fun with this. Uh, what was your wardrobe for game one, and what will it be for game two? All right. So I was at my parents' house for game one. In full disclosure, I was wearing a Sopranos t-shirt. Nice. It was not, it was not the, uh, the Sixers apparel, but I do have – you remember the uh, Sixers alternate jerseys that they put out when uh, – they did like this picture of like Bannon and Bede on a um, on some like muscle car, and it was like sort of cursive, right? I do, I do like, remember jersey. that. 
So I have a jersey of that for Embiid. So game two, that's what I'll be wearing. What about you? So game one, I do the I, I did the same thing for game one that I did last year, and that's break out the uh, the the show you love Drew Holiday jersey because you know what? Love without, it. Without the Drew Holiday trade, uh, this whole thing doesn't get kicked off. Uh, that's for, right. For for game two, I'm thinking about breaking out the uh, Sixers starting five. Uh, Matt Groening Simpsons style T-shirt because I oh, think love that. I think that that shirt is hilarious. <laughs> so I like to break it out is as that much the as I can. Hoops one? I believe it is. I have to double check and look yeah. at, it, but I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That and just my, that's good. Yeah, that my Sixers hat and my bottle of whiskey within arm's reach, just in case. Yes, for sure. You know, quickly, I I saw that Kevin Rice said that you're not allowed to have allergy medication and alcohol at once. Is that true? Because I've been really breaking that rule in the last few days. Listen, I, hey, hey, live your life, Steve. I'm just going to say, if that's what you choose to do, just, just please be careful, I guess. If you're, if you're feeling a little too drowsy when you're behind the wheel, just be like, <laughs> before you start the car, just say, all right, you know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just Uber home and get my car tomorrow. Listen, this might be my last podcast, but if it was, <laughs> if we really made it worth it. And uh, it's always no, fun we can't talking. have that. We can't have this last <laughs> podcast. We can't because you know what? That means that you won't be with us when you know we're out on the when we're on the parade route. And uh, that's right. We, we have and we get our own float. We have the, the we have the float. Liberty Ballers float in the parade. So, and if Daryl Moore right. is listening, if Daryl Moore is listening, it doesn't have to be overly fancy. We just want to be a part of it. That's all. No, we're saying float, but we would take like a Toyota Camry and oh, put yeah, our yeah. heads out the window. That's fine. Absolutely. We're, we, we're happy to do that. We will happily trail in, you know, like a Honda Civic. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> Stevie J, always fun talking to you. Uh, what's coming up on uh, gastroenteritis? Uh, yeah, we'll be back with an episode after the game on Wednesday, and then we'll have another one uh, regular, regular on uh, Sunday or Monday. And uh, that's about it. That's it for me, man. Steve J. Littman, host of the Gastroenteritis Blues, Liberty Polar's podcast network. On Twitter, at Steve J. Littman. Follow him if you're not already. I mean, you should be. You should be following everything having to do with the uh, podcast network and Liberty Balls in general. But there's all the information if you don't have it. Stevie J., always fun having you on the podcast. I will talk to you soon. Go Sixers, Game 2 Wednesday. Oh, Always fun to talk to you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, Steve. On.